You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. You know what? I, I was thinking about it, and I don't think I've ever done an actual Thanksgiving message on Thanksgiving before. Usually we just kind of say, Happy Thanksgiving, and then go on with our series. Um, so you can all be grateful for that, that I just don't talk about Thanksgiving every, every year that comes around and repeat myself. But today I'm actually going to change tradition, and we're actually going to talk about giving thanks on Thanksgiving. <laughs> blowing, blowing your mind this morning. And um, if some of you are wondering why I'm preaching about that instead of starting our series through Daniel, which we kept saying we were going to do, uh, well, as it says, man makes his plans, but the Lord establishes his steps. And that's kind of what's happening. Uh, in other words, our plans have been delayed. And, and there are a couple of legit reasons for that. And, and one of the, the reasons for the delay for our Daniel series is, is um, over the next couple of Sundays, we've been given an opportunity to have some guest speakers, including one from Compassion. And so in light of that, Blair and I were discussing and praying about it and, and decided that it would feel pretty disjointed if we started Daniel today, um, especially, you know, thinking about who's going to be even be here on Thanksgiving Sunday, and then, and, then, and then waiting three weeks until we went into the next message. That would feel pretty disjointed. We'd all forget what the intro to Daniel was. And, and um, so instead, we'll be starting our series through Daniel, which we've titled Exiles, in November. And I think I had a slide for that. Yeah, that's Blair's, Blair's nice graphic work there. So We'll be starting that in November. I'm really excited about that. Uh, it'll be worth the wait. And I'm assuming, I'm, I'm assuming now that most of you are shedding tears over this news of delay. You're weeping um, with sadness and frustration. I, I get it. Uh, but it's, to, it's Thanksgiving. So stop whining and have a little gratitude. Right? First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 tells us to... Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So again, stop whining and give thanks. That's the title of my sermon this morning. Stop whining and give thanks. I'm just kidding. That would be rude. But uh, honestly, sometimes I do need to be told that. I need someone to just like, stop whining and give thanks, right? You know, when I wake up every morning with a sore hip and back, um, no thank you, right? And when I find that after all these years, I'm still balding, not grateful for that. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm going through trials or, or times of loss, how am I supposed to give thanks in, in that, right? When, when I'm let down or when I'm struggling to pay the bills or when my soccer teammate is scoring all the goals and I'm not, right? Yay! So glad Henry's on my team scoring all the goals and we're winning, right? Or even in times of success, you know, when things are going well and and times of happiness and those those joyful seasons when it should be the easiest to give thanks. We think that's when that's when it's so easy to the thankfulness just flows out of our hearts. But then we just I just simply forget to give thanks. Things are going well and I just simply forget to say thank you, God, you know, or my ego thanks me. Instead, I'm thanking the wrong person. We see this throughout the Old Testament. Don't we? God helps his people, and then instead of, of thanking him through their worship and devotion, they forget him. No gratitude at all. They, they take the credit for themselves, and then they just kind of leave God out of it. 
And of course, it never goes well for them. When they leave God out of it, eventually they lose hope. They give in to fear and intimidation of, other, of the other nations and cultures around them. They lose their cultural identity. They, they lose wars. They lose their lands. They go into exile. We'll be talking about exile. Let me talk about Daniel. And it works the same way for us when we're feeling ungrateful or we're living in, in this, this, this place of ingratitude. It never goes well for us. Ingratitude, in we, we know this, right? Ingratitude has this ability to bring us to ruin. It makes us envious of others, makes us bitter towards others whose lives look better than ours, makes us angry at God for the things we don't have. It, makes us, it just makes us miserable, right? Easily annoyed, complainers, causes us to live in this pit of despair, causes us to become pessimistic, grumbling, untrusting, and, and only lets us see the negative side of things, right? And when, and when we're ungrateful for what we have, we can start to feel like what we have is never enough. And we're always looking for more. More money, more pleasure, more Instagram likes. But no matter what, we're never satisfied in that place. Of course, once we become consumed with ingratitude or bitterness, then it's incredibly hard to remember or even think of anything to give thanks for. But on the flip side of that, when we're grateful, when our hearts are filled with gratitude, when we're focused on what's good and lovely and pure and and perfect, when we remember to give thanks for for what God's given us, that's when we're able to proclaim in all seasons and in any circumstance, it is well, because it is well with my soul. And and that's what I think this verse is getting at. The, The Apostle Paul who wrote it, he wants us to remember that in Christ, the things that we, we have to be grateful for far outweigh anything that we'd, we'd ever have to grumble or be ungrateful about. So when we give thanks to God, we're, we're not only reminded of this, but our hearts and minds are actually then reoriented to have hope and faith according to who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. So that as the song says, when peace like a river attendeth our, our way, or if sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever our lot, we can say, it is well with my soul. To give thanks then isn't just like a polite thing that we're supposed to do in our society. To give thanks, it's necessary for, for both our spiritual well-being and for, for persevering through the many seasons of life in everything. Um, let's read a story about the power of giving thanks. So Luke 17 11 to 19, if you want to turn there with me. Luke 17, 11 to 19. This is during Jesus' ministry. And this is what happened. It's a short little story. It says, While traveling to Jerusalem, Jesus passed between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance And raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. No fanfare or anything, just go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, 
thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Or in other translations, your faith has made you well. Those nine ungrateful lepers. Am I right? No? Too soon? It's like 2,000 years ago, guys. Come on. Um, <laughs> but seriously, out of ten men who were healed from leprosy, this, this horrible flesh-eating disease, only one turned around and, and came back to Jesus to thank him. That's, that's crazy, right? And Jesus was shocked. He's like, wasn't there ten of you? Wasn't there, and only one came back to praise God for being healed, and it's, it's a foreigner? These, these other nine, they should have known better. And this, this, only this foreigner, a Samaritan, came back to praise God? And the fact that this is a true story, and, and not one of Jesus' parables or whatever, it, it says a lot about the, this actually happened, this says a lot about the human tendency to be ungrateful, especially to God. I mean, how many times, think of it this way, how many times have you held the door for somebody, you're at Starbucks or whatever, and you're, you're, you're going in, someone's coming, you hold the door for them, and you're like, oh, after you, and, and um, they don't regard you at all, they just like walk through, and then when they're a safe distance away, you're like, you're welcome, right? Like, how ungrateful. But if I can be honest, sometimes I have a tendency to be like those nine lepers too. I forget, or, or I just don't even bother to say thank you to others or to God. Whether, you know, for my new life in Christ, or, or for when he answers my prayers, or, or for the many blessings and mercy and grace he showers upon me each day. There's so much to be thankful for, and I just forget. I just don't do it. I mean, the reason that we have a holiday like Thanksgiving is precisely because we forget to give thanks. And so we need to be reminded with holidays like this to take a moment to, to reflect on all we've been given and to give thanks, right? That just shows our, our forgetfulness. We need to have a holiday to remember to give thanks. But then we have to ask, you know, why is it even important to give thanks? Why, why should we? Well, let's look at the one man who did come back to say thank you. Jesus looks at him, you know, this, this guy, he came back and he fell face down at his feet and worshiped and praise and, and, and he's thanking the Lord for what Jesus has done for him, right? And, and, and Jesus looks at him and says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So what's, what does Jesus mean there? Of course, he was already physically well because Jesus had already healed him only minutes before. So this wellness Jesus was referring to is something even greater and more eternal than physical health. He was made well in his soul. As Eric Demeter writes, the, the unfortunate result was that 90% of the lepers missed a second more important gift Jesus had planned for them. To the lone grateful Samaritan, he responded, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Even more important than physical health, this person's spiritual health had been restored. So first of all, this, this lone man, this Samaritan, 
He models for us the only logical and emotional and spiritual response there is to, to, to experiencing the healing and saving grace of Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving, gratitude, giving glory to God, worship. And secondly, the result of his thanksgiving was that he was made well. The nine lepers got what they wanted from Jesus and they just ran off into the sunset. They got their material, their, their physical reward, right? But, but it was only the man who returned with gratitude who received the, the much better and eternal blessing of spiritual renewal. Gratitude directed to God for what Jesus has done for us then not only reminds us of God's grace and, and draws us into his presence, but it also permits it to be activated in our lives in, in a way. Bitterness and, and ingratitude build a wall against God. But when we humble ourselves before him and, and acknowledge him in all that we do and in everything we have and in all that we're involved in, we're also inviting him to work in and through it all. When we give thanks to God, we're made, or at least we're reminded that in Christ, we're well. And jumping off the text for a bit, even scientifically and practically speaking, you know, the world's starting to catch up to this. Researchers are finding that having hearts and minds of gratitude is, is good for us, physically, mentally, and psychologically as well. And God knows this, right? He created us. In fact, studies have shown that being constantly mindful and giving thanks makes us more positive, so we're less needy and whiny and less likely to complain. We're more content with what we have and we're not desperate for for different or or better or more things. Having a heart of gratitude makes it it easier to persevere and, and stand firm through trials or unexpected circumstances. It makes us more generous and less envious or greedy. Gratitude often makes us physically and psychologically healthier. We sleep better. We laugh harder. We have healthier blood pressure and immune systems. We're more empathetic. We make friends easier. We make wiser choices. We're more approachable. We're, we're more selfless. We're less prone to mood swings. We're happier. We become more aware and, and grateful of what others do for us. And we become less worried as we become less worried about ourselves, right? Therefore, more freely able to lift others up as well. So obviously, it's better to be thankful rather than our own little bubble of ingratitude. As they say, the cure for unhappiness is gratitude. And God's given us a source of gratitude in Jesus Christ who always satisfies and never runs out. You know, if you read, if you read books in the world, they're going to tell you that you find gratitude in the things that you have and, you know, count up all those things and be thankful for your Starbucks coffee and stuff like that. But your Starbucks coffee runs out, right? Jesus doesn't run out. And neither should our gratitude then. Now, the, the Bible doesn't tell us why those nine lepers didn't come back to thank him, but, but we can definitely highlight some gratitude killers in our lives, right? Things that are, that are keeping us from being grateful or making us forget to thank God. And so I just want to highlight some of those this morning, not, not to bring you down or to bring shame upon, upon anybody, but, you know, it, it's good to be aware of these things and so that if we're in them, we can, we can adjust, right? Right. Um, 
give them to God. So the, the first one I want to mention, the first gratitude killer, is entitlement. Entitlement. That, this is a big one. It's not just for millennials. We all, we're all like that. This is a big one because if we think we deserve what we've been given, then we won't say thank you. We'll say it took you long enough. Right? Or we'll complain and cry if we don't get it. And, you know, it's possible that the lepers felt like this. They, they felt that they'd suffered enough and so they deserved to be healed. It felt like they had it coming to them. Maybe they felt entitled. I don't know. We can only guess. But having a heart of gratitude crushes any sense of entitlement when we acknowledge that all we've been given is by God's grace alone. Not because we had it coming. You know, in our sin, we had quite the opposite coming. So having a heart of gratitude crushes any sense of entitlement. That's why it's so important. Number two, another gratitude killer, which is similar to entitlement, is pride. Pride is a big one. James 4, verse 6 says, But the Holy Spirit gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We saw that with the leper, right? Who just humbled himself before the Lord, and Jesus said, Your faith has made you well. Here's some more grace, right? Really, that verse could also say that it's the proud who oppose God. Too, right? Or that it's the proud who forget God or give themselves the credit. And this takes us back to Adam and Eve in the garden who in their pride became ungrateful for the creation of the world and their place as caretakers of it. But when we lift our eyes in ingratitude to God, it humbles us and it takes away our pride. When, when we give thanks, what we're doing is we're, we're giving God the credit. He deserves and taking off ourselves and giving God the credit that he deserves. Ultimately, when we thank God, we boast in Christ, not ourselves. Number three, another gratitude killer is misplaced or false expectations. For example, if you think you should be driving an Audi, but you drive it yourself, you'll be unable to be thankful that you even have a car at all, Right? Or if you listen to a prosperity gospel sermon, you might start getting the idea that, that God's going to make you a millionaire or that he's going to jump out of a bottle and grant all your wishes. Hashtag favor, right? <laughs> well, what's going to happen is you're going to become pretty frustrated and ungrateful to God for not following through with those false expectations. Right? So instead, read your Bible. Find out who God really is and what his promises really are. And as you do, you'll learn to become more thankful as you, as you, as you learn and, and as you see and experience those things in your life. So false expectations. Get rid of them. Number four, another gratitude killer is discontentment. Discontentment. If, if you're constantly desiring more, it's, it's going to be impossible to be grateful with what you have. No matter how many shoes you buy, you'll always just want one more pair. Audrey. I'm, I'm just kidding. I think I have more, more shoes than her, actually. 
get them cheap in the States. Anyways, <laughs> and then we make excuses about, <laughs> we're like, I'm not discontent, I just like shoes. Sure. Um, but, you know, or, or, no matter what God does for us, we'll always, we'll always just be looking for one more blessing or one more sign or one more miracle. To, and then we'll be like, then I'll, then I'll follow you, then I'll believe, then, then I'll be satisfied, right? But there's always, we always just need another thing. Just one more. But giving thanks to God is to recognize, like the leper did, that, that everything we've been given us is beyond generous. It's more than enough. We, we, we always sing it. More than enough. Right? We're, we're singing it. But do our lives reflect that, or are we discontent? Right? We have to realize God doesn't have to give us good things. But he does. Right? And, and, and he knows exactly what we need. So, so how could we ever think to say that what he's given us isn't enough? The cross itself is enough. Everything else is a bonus. And we remind ourselves of this truth when we give thanks. All right, number five. Another gratitude killer is, of course, difficult circumstances or seasons of trial or sorrow or loss or whatever. And I want to take this moment to clarify that the verse doesn't say to give thanks for all things. It says to give thanks in everything. Because, of course, we, we don't give thanks for evil when evil happens. We don't give thanks for, for sickness or, or loss. We don't give thanks for those things. So the theology of thanksgiving that doesn't allow for lament or sorrow or, or questions is simply unrealistic. So we're not wiping all the hard things under the carpet and saying, everything is fine, right? That's not what it means to give thanks. But the reason we're told to give thanks in everything is so that we're, we're drawn to God in the midst of what we're going through, so that we can lean on him and remember what, what he's done for us and what he's doing for us, especially in the hard times. So that we can thank the Lord for his, his comfort and, his, and his, his peace in the midst of it. So that we can thank the Lord that because of his victory, we have the hope that one day suffering will end. We can thank the Lord for his strength and his faith to persevere. In times of loss, we can, we can thank the Lord for resurrection life. And after all, it's said and done and the season is past. We'll most likely be able to thank God that for strengthening our faith and sanctifying us through it. And so we can't avoid hard circumstances, but they don't have to be gratitude killers. In fact, they should draw us closer to God. That's how we get through. My sixth point, another gratitude killer is bitterness. Bitterness. Whether we're mad at someone or angry at God, unable to forgive, frustrated with life, feeling betrayed, whatever the cause is, bitterness keeps us from being grateful. Right? It, it, it imprisons us in this, this pit of, of ungratefulness. It, it blinds us to anything we'd be grateful for. 
It keeps our hearts focus and mind focused on, on everything that we can complain about. I and mean, we can only see the, the bad, negative side of everything. But when we choose instead to give thanks for what Jesus has done, we're allowing God by his grace to, to soften our hearts and, and set us free from it. And by his grace, we're allowed to have grace for others. Number seven, and finally, another gratitude killer is comparison. How many of us are guilty of that? Are you looking around and seeing whose, whose hand is up? Gotcha. Gotcha. When we start to compare what we have or measure up our looks or, or our lot in life with somebody else, when we think the grass is greener on the other side, it causes us to be envious or jealous, right? And it's impossible to be grateful when, when we think other people have it better than us. It's impossible. Of course, this is perpetuated by our social media culture. Every time we log on, right, we see perfect families with perfect kids, with perfect bodies, with perfect homes, with perfect relationships, blah, blah, blah. And even though we know that it's staged and we know that it's fake, it doesn't matter. We still feel like garbage and ungrateful that we don't have a perfect life like other people do. Right? This, and this type of envy or jealousy is not just on social media. It can reflect our whole lives, right? It can, it can make us resent our marriages or, or, or our kids or our jobs or our church. You know, the list goes on. Instead, we need to find our value in Christ. When we give thanks to him, we're, we're reminded that we're a child of God. We're reminded that in him we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And in him we have purpose and, and grace and mercy in our lives for when we're not perfect, right? And that our security, our identity, our sense of worth is found in his eyes, only in his eyes and in his love. So stop comparing yourself with others. Give thanks to Jesus for who he made you to be and for what he's doing in your life. Instead of being overcome with ingratitude, let's choose to give thanks to God for Christ Jesus in everything. And, this, and it says this is the will of God. This is the will of God. He wants us to be well. You know, this list that I, that I had, it wasn't exhaustive. There's a lot more, a lot more gratitude killers in our lives. So in the same way that, that we don't know why the, the nine lepers didn't come back to say thank you, I have no idea what might be keeping you from giving thanks to God this morning or at times throughout your week. I don't know what keeps you from giving thanks or makes you forget. So I encourage you personally, each of you, to examine your own hearts in this. And then ask God in faith to, to remove and forgive and set you free from, from anything preventing you from giving thanks. And he will. He wants you to be well. That's, this is his will. right? And if you're finding it hard to give thanks, just force yourself to do it anyway. And see how the Holy Spirit changes your heart. See how your, your mind is reoriented and, and filled with gratitude when you do that. 
It's so easy to get lost in, in just our turmoil, right? But when we force ourselves to give thanks, we're reminded, oh yeah, God is doing good things. God has done good things. Because again, we need to give thanks. When our, when our hearts are filled with thanksgiving for Jesus, that's when we find deep satisfaction and contentment. With, with, with our eyes on God, we're reminded as well that we're not victims in this world. We're not, we're not victims, but that we walk in the hope and victory of Christ, no matter what we're facing. In other words, above all, we need to recognize that having a heart of gratitude as Christians is, as, as Eric Demeter again writes, not about looking at the bright side of things, and it's not even acknowledging that things could be worse. Our thankfulness is never to be based on a set of circumstances. It's based on a person. To know Jesus should fill our hearts with gratitude. And so we're told to give thanks for Christ in everything so that nothing can make us forget it. So that nothing can tear us away from it or, or bring us down into despair or hopelessness or bitterness. And on that end, even if we find ourselves with nothing in this world, Jesus should still be enough and is enough to fill our hearts with thanksgiving. Just ask the disciples who, who were rotting in prison and yet chose to sing psalms and, and prayers of thanksgiving to him. Their circumstances weren't well, but with their hearts set on Jesus, they were. You know, Christians in third world countries facing persecution and hunger are often more joyful and thankful than we are. That doesn't seem right. You know, sometimes we get, in, get up in arms if Starbucks has run out of pumpkin spice. Wow, we're, we're actually out of pumpkin spice. What's that? I am. That's all I talk about. I don't even like pumpkin spice, so that's why I'm like, you know, shaming all of you. Because it doesn't include me. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we feel ungrateful when we only get 30 likes on Instagram instead of 100. That's so silly. But it's true. So we need to r- realize that finding gratitude isn't, isn't just about counting up our material things. It isn't defined by our circumstances. It's about Jesus who loves us, who gives us the victory, who gives us our daily bread, who suffers with us, who defeated our sin and death at the cross, who has gone before us, who gives us his spirit and all things pertaining to life and death. That should be enough to have us on our knees in thanksgiving for eternity, which it is and will be. That leads to another question. How do we give thanks? How, how could we, we ever say enough or do enough to, to measure up to what God's given us? When we think of all the things that, that God's done for us, how could, we, how could we ever repay? Psalm 116, verse 12, it wrestles with this same question when it asks, how can I repay the Lord for all the good he has done for me? How do I give thanks for, for, for everything, for all of this? How do I do that? Well, he answers in verse 13. He says, this is how I will take the cup of salvation 
and call on the name of the Lord. So how do, how do we thank the Lord? We follow the example of the leper who turned and humbly set his heart and his worship upon God for the grace that he received through Jesus Christ. We call upon the name of the Lord. We worship him. Or as the psalm says, we receive the cup of salvation. What is the cup of salvation? Well, we know this. It's the cup that Jesus bore on the cross and now gives to us freely. It's his blood shed for us. In other words, the the way we, we truly say thank you to God for Jesus is simply by receiving and turning our hearts to Jesus. It's not, it's not complicated. The way we thank God for Jesus is simply by receiving and turning our hearts to Jesus. As it says in 1 Corinthians 10.16, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? See, this is the cup of thanksgiving. When we receive the body and blood of Christ, it's the cup of thanksgiving. And some, sometimes communion is referred to as the Eucharist. Because Eucharist actually means to give thanks. That's what it means. And so this morning, as, as we ponder and reflect on the cross, on Jesus' sacrifice, his body that was broken and his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins and the redemption of the whole world, let's give thanks. Let, let his love and grace poured out on us fill our hearts with gratitude. And let it be a reminder for us to give thanks in everything. And so again, as we come before the Lord and and receive his body and blood, let our hearts proclaim, as it says in Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I'm going to pray, and then I'll invite you to come and receive the elements the cracker, which represents his body, the juice, which represents his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins, that invites us into a new covenant with him. So I'm going to pray, and when you're ready, you can come and receive that. And, and, and give thanks for what he's done. Give thanks. Humble yourself before him. Worship his name. Call upon his name and give thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are that you are a God of mercy and love and compassion and grace. You are a God of faithfulness. Or that you never leave us nor forsake us. And that you love us with such intensity. And that love was was proved to us and, and given for us at the cross when Jesus humbled himself and willingly gave his life so that we could be forgiven of our sins so that we could be reconciled with you so that we can live a new life in his righteousness and his resurrection Lord you've given us so much and I thank you for for, for everything that comes with it Lord for, for hope for purpose for identity for this church for future hope and a future glory with you 
so Lord, we, we come to you with thanksgiving, with hearts full of praise because of what you've done, Lord. And as the psalm says, you know, how can we ever repay you for what you've done? Well, Lord, we take the cup of thanksgiving and we call upon your name. We humble ourselves before you. We worship you. We give our lives to you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.